Life is a game? Soul Journey? What? Welcome to the Joyous Expansion Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Dupree, scouring the globe to bring you stories of courage, passion, and resilience. If I could sum up this podcast into one word, I would use empathy. Now let's get inspired. Welcome to the Joyous Expansion Podcast. I'm your host once again, Brett Dupree, here to drop some knowledge on you. Today I have a wonderful interview with Casey Mullaney. This is my 90th episode. Wow, 90 episodes. That is so many. It's been so long since I've started this podcast. Almost two years ago, I've learned so much about myself. I learned so much about other people. Just, mm, it's wonderful. But of course, this is the beginning of my podcast where I first become vulnerable about my life because if I can't be vulnerable about what's going on in my life, how can I expect my guests to be? I've been thinking a lot, a lot about what exactly is success. What does success mean to me as a trying to change my mindset on how I am looking at my life? Uh, this desire that I have of being and doing something meaningful. But the question, of course, is what is meaning? What is meaningful? And how much does it matter that I get on bigger and bigger stages? Because a lot of it is focusing on what impact that you have in the world. And I've known I've made a positive impact in the lives of the people around me, such as the current Toastmaster community and some of my friends and family. And I can appreciate that. I can appreciate that impact that I can have in helping people and putting good evaluations and Toastmasters and a lot of the other things that I do to make this world a more positive place. But there's always that feeling of not enoughness. I'm not doing enough. I'm not being enough. And since my reaction to that feeling of not enoughness and the feeling there's too much to do is to shut down because that's just how I react to things. You know, fight or flight or freeze. I'm a freezer. And I really don't want to be a freezer, but even the feeling of not being a freezer, not wanting to be a freezer, causes me to freeze. But I think a lot of it is visualization as well, because you do want to have a vision, but at the same time, when you hold the vision for a long time, keeping up that motivation for that vision when you're not hitting it creates this dissidence. I remember a year and a half ago, feels like forever ago with this pandemic, year and a half ago, two years ago, I wanted to create this ability of embracing that African proverb I heard from Les Brown, when there's no enemy on the inside, the enemy on the out can do no harm. And creating that kind of vision, one where my desire of living a successful life and doing my best when I'm on my deathbed, looking back, knowing that I tried and go for it rather than not would be enough has been false because I have to be able to look at the results of this thought process and notice that it is not working because I haven't done what I plan on doing. And a lot of the fear-based stuff is, I mean, it was a year ago where I learned I had some pre-diabetic indicators and my weight in the last year has been the same. So that's my life on the line. Even though I have a big fear of death, it's big, it's still not enough. So fear-based isn't enough as well, as evident by the fact that I've had this for a year, 
and it's not working as well. So it's time to find a new tactic, time to find a new way of connecting with myself. And currently I'm trying to do that through the Church of Awesome. And that's not working for me in the sense that I'm not just stepping up with that. And just causes this feeling of failure and a feeling of, ugh. And it makes it so, I mean, the whole point of doing this part at the beginning of my podcast is my vision was I would incrementally improve my numbers, incrementally improve what I'm doing with my business, launch courses, do workshops, and talk about it through this. And as I build listenership, I build a community of people who get used to listening to me talk about myself, then doing the interviews, of course, getting new listeners from the collection of people who I'm listening. And of course, it's win-win. I'm sharing their message to my following, and I'm getting a couple of their listeners as well, and they grow to like me a few, and then it just continues to build slowly, and I talk about that, and then things will start steamrolling, and bam, I would able to become somewhat successful, I would say, and that has not happened, partly due to my own personal anxieties, partly due to a global pandemic really bringing up those anxieties, and this new thing of not wanting to start, and starting but not going farther than three weeks to a month, which is unlike me. I generally do three months to six months of manic before I go to depression. I'm not saying I'm manic depressive, but I'm just saying like that's my thing. But I've been stuck in starting for two years. But at least I can prove my consistent with that, being that this is episode 90. So I've done a pretty good job on this podcast in that sense. So... That's what's going on in my head. What exactly do I do with that? I don't know. It does feel good to get it out there. Uh, I guess that's one of the lucky parts of having a podcast that not a lot of people listen to. It's not a lot of people get to listen to that. (laughs) But at the same time, I do appreciate you for listening, of course, and that you're awesome. And if you want to get unstuck in your life, I have a guest that can help you. Casey Mullaney encourages and empowers women to better understand, embrace, and improve their life journeys and soul paths. Casey, a registered dietitian and life coach, uses her professional experience coupled with spiritual guidance to help women attain happier, healthier, and more relaxed lives. And now here is my interview with Casey Mullaney. Hello, Casey, and welcome to my podcast. Hi, Brett. I'm so excited to be here. You have no idea. <laughs> this is fun. This is my my form of fun. <laughs> awesome. I am grateful that you are spending your time with me today. So why don't you give our guests an introduction to who you are? Oh, wow. I'm a dietitian and a spiritual life coach. Neither one were like kind of my intention to become, but that's what I do professionally. And I I blend them together and I technically have two separate businesses with them as well. Honestly, I'm just a girl from Kentucky that moved to Florida and follows her inner guidance and just keeps speaking things out to help people with stress, anxiety, fears, just moving to where they want to move in life. That's just me, (laughs) like in a nutshell with everybody. (laughs) Whether I'm just meeting you or I'm on a podcast or we're a friend having lunch, that's just me all the time. (laughs) So let's talk about that girl from Kentucky. You help people with fear and anxiety. Was there a time where you lived in fear and anxiety? Oh my gosh, yeah. As far as my memory goes back, I had pretty significant anxiety starting from like a baby. And I didn't know what it was. It's not like... 
I, I want to say because of where I grew up, because Kentucky, if you've never been to Kentucky, I know there's like definitely some stereotypes and things. Those are not accurate. It's just think the time frame. It was before we were really into talking about mental health, where it was acknowledged as a legit problem and things that a lot of people deal with. I know just my family had some background stuff with like kind of adverse to talking about it. And which is interesting because my grandmother dealt with anxiety and my dad dealt with anxiety, but we were just worriers. Everyone kind of just labeled us as worriers. And then that if we could just get it, put ourselves out there more and things like that, it'd be fine. You know? And and so it wasn't until I was in my early 20s when I was in the beginning of my clinical career that I was joking with somebody that I was one of those people that those anxiety meds were for. And then it hit me, oh my gosh, yes, I am. I've dealt with anxiety for as long as I can remember. I'm at this point now where I've worked with it so much that I can shift myself. Like I can literally go from what I consider a very low energetic state to a totally normal one within like a span of an hour, if not less. And it's just like, because I've worked with it for so long and worked with myself for so long and worked with understanding energy and you know, the mind and, and, and everything to just help me. It all started for me just wanting to feel better. Back in 2011, I was in that first job, the one that I was joking with somebody about my anxiety. I was in this job that just was going way downhill and it was a catalyst to get me to move forward along my life path. But at the time it didn't feel like a catalyst. It felt like, it felt like my entire life like was just drowning. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. Food would not stay in my body. I was having to use five pillows just to breathe at night, like sleep at night. I was doing any little thing that I could just to try to calm my mind enough to get a little bit of sleep. I was in a really bad, very high, severe, high anxiety, depressed state. And I also didn't feel like I could get help for it. Like it just wasn't even in my register. Because again, we're all taught things growing up and you're taught your bubble, your whole perceptions, your realities. So I was in this bubble of I can handle this because I'd always been able to handle everything that had been thrown my way. <laughs> and I didn't even know to ask for help. And I'm also a very private person, which people don't expect out of me now seeing all my work out there. That took a lot of practice for me to open up and be able to share things with people just to help heal other people. But I was a very private person. So so nobody really knew this was going on, but I was in debilitating anxiety and I was like, something has to shift. I tried one medication that wasn't working. And then about a year later, I tried another one that actually had the reverse effect on me. And I'm like, you've got to figure something out because this is not living. Thinking that you need surgery for a hiatal hernia because you're having all the same symptoms and just finding out that it's stress, you know, is not living. And so essentially what happened was I just started paying more attention. I'd always had a deep spiritual connection since I was very, very small. I grew up in a more of a Christian-based society, but that's not really what I consider myself now. I'm much more spiritual. I always knew from a very, very small age that God was just this loving presence. God was there to help us, to support us, to be this loving presence. And so I just involved God. And again, I don't expect other people to use the word God. Like if God, I know God can be very triggering. So source energy, big kahuna, whatever is like best for you, the universe. But I knew that this loving presence was always there, that this loving presence was always around me. And so I allowed this loving presence into everything I did. And I also allowed for any communication and however that came. And so I started leaning into that when I was in this horrific bout of anxiety and fear and depression, I just leaned into that more. I leaned into, okay, God, what can I do from here? 
this is where I'm at. This is not working and not knowing it, but these were my means and limitations of what I believed I got to spend money on, what I got, what I got to receive, the kind of help I got to get, you know, these are the limitations. I clearly need some help. Then I just started leaning into from there. And what happened was I felt called to start one business. I'm also a certified personal stylist, which I just, when I start listing all my credentials, it just starts feeling like a, <laughs> like a, a bit of a mouth. I started personal styling and I felt very overwhelmed by that. And then that led me to falling in love with more holistic nutrition, which then led me to all this personal development. It just, it all kind of stumbled along my way. And again, I believe that our paths are there to guide us. When you feel called to something that doesn't make sense to you, it's not because it doesn't have to make sense. It's just, <laughs> it's just getting you to where your next step is you need to go. I know a lot of times people view these things as mistakes. They're not mistakes. They're pieces along your path that are meant to connect you and help you and get you to your next step. And so that's kind of what happened with me. I didn't set out on my path to go, I'm going to become, you know, a dietitian and a life coach. The dietitian thing kind of stumbled because my mom was really directing in my major in college, which was not normal. That was not a normal relationship for us. That was just, I guess, some guidance from her or something. And then I became this dietitian middle of the fun recession that was just back in 2008, 2009. And so then I had a career when nobody else had a career and then ended up kind of following all these other stepping stones, which eventually led me to spiritual life coaching. <laughs> and it was mostly because I wanted to help other people. I was doing all this work on myself and especially being in the medical field, I saw so many people just burning themselves out. It's not always the best field. It can be a very abusive field. I'm not saying it always is, but it's definitely a field where normal standards and rules of society are just not normally there. People behave in ways that I never imagined. It's very interesting. And I watched a lot of people just kind of be mentally beaten and also just not seeing that there was more to their life and their potential than just making it through. And it just hurt my soul. It hurt my heart. And I could not help. That's kind of how I ended up into the spiritual life coaching. <laughs> cool. So what was it like when you first started with your first clients in spiritual life coaching? So I started with weight loss coaching is really where it was because I was still a dietitian and I wanted to help women. Like I said, there's so many fun details and I know we only have like a tiny amount of time, but I was recognizing that there, how I kind of slid more into only really working with people more with the spiritual pieces and the life pieces was I noticed that there was so much more like weight loss was never just about weight loss ever. And it's, it's just not, it's never about the actual loss of the weight. There's way more involved into it. Most people are holding on to things that need to heal. Most people, if it was easy to lose the weight, and I know sometimes people will try to throw in, well, but I have this or that, or I'm this age. And I'm like, yeah, but I've watched all of that be able to heal and move and change. There's a readiness to change. There's where your mind is, what you believe you can receive, all these things, most things that a lot of people are not introduced to. And so very initially, I was working with these weight loss clients and styling them after and kind of really digging in deep. And then that kind of evolved into where I was starting sessions with like, okay, where are you today? And what do you need today? And this is more my one on one, not like my group things and whatnot. But I was like, where are you today? And what do you need today? And how can we move forward from here? And so a lot of times people were bringing me their stress, they were bringing me their stress, they were bringing me their fears, they're bringing me what they don't believe they can have or their frustrations of I don't understand why this thing in my life isn't working. 
really what I ended up offering was just a perspective they'd never heard of or perspective they've never seen. In many cases, there's been a lot of people that I would work with just for a couple of sessions because that's all they really needed at the time to shift. And then when they need help again, they come back and we do more individual sessions. It's more about seeing, okay, where are you at? What are you battling? Let's shift these perspectives. Let's dig in deeper and see what you need to heal and you need to process through. And and healing can sound so challenging. And it can be at times, it also doesn't have to be. Sometimes it really just takes a shift or an eye-opening. I talk a lot about how our perspective, a lot of times we have our perspective where we have these horse blinders. Again, I'm from Kentucky with horse racing. I grew up around thoroughbred farms and you put blinders on the horses so the horses aren't spooked, particularly when they're racing. And it's to keep them in their focus. It's keep them just in their lane where they are. And most people, actually all people have blinders on to some respect. You're in your lane and where you are. And until those blinders are popped off, you can't always see that there's a lot more solutions or there's way more ways to see this situation. Or even maybe there's a whole other perspective that helps you recognize that this is not a big deal. I remind people all the time that, yeah, there's parts of life that are not easy, that are can be very hurtful or very challenging, but it's all a game. This entire life is just a soul journey. The entire purpose of it is for soul growth. And when you recognize that it's just for soul growth, you can release and shift things so much faster. You can release people. You can release split relationships. You can allow yourself to receive more. It's all more of just playing. It's playing with you, playing with energy, and playing with your growth. And it just helps you heal. It just helps you move forward. It helps you recognize your purpose and just live a more free life, which I think is really important. So you talk a lot about soul and spirit. Mm-hmm. Were you raised to think that way or did you discover it along your path? Yeah, I was kind of. So I came from, so I have an interesting spiritual background for being from a very Christian based society. So my parents were both actually different religions, which feels ridiculous, but it it, it felt ridiculous when I was like three. I'm like, I don't understand the problem here. You guys basically believe the same thing, but like I witnessed so much judgment on both sides. My dad was Baptist. My mom was Catholic. I witnessed judgment on both sides, but luckily I was raised in a very liberal Catholic church. It was actually named one of the most liberal Catholic churches in America until reform came in. And it was full of mixed, lots of mixed religion families. Like we didn't have kneelers. I didn't even know what a kneeler was until I was eight or nine or so. And that was being raised in a Catholic church. So I had this very liberal Catholic church. And then on top of that, my grandmother was involved in energy healing. Actually, she didn't do it like as a professional. She actually was a Reiki master and was very much into spiritual things. And so I just had a different exposure. And I also started learning about inner child work from her when I was six, five or six, (laughs) and perception and things like that. So I just had a very different perspective. So parts of it were my environment growing up, but a lot of it was just intuitively felt and then moving forward. I always believe we have a soul where, you know, we're a body basically for our soul. Our soul actually kind of expands beyond our body. And it's just to allow our soul this experience for accelerated growth, which was stuff, that piece was not something my family was like, this is an experience for your soul. <laughs> you know, that was more me intuitively receiving as I got older. I did have a very, to say that I came from a traditional Christian background would not be right <laughs> at all. <laughs> so some of it was from early childhood. So I'm curious on how anxiety showed up in your life. For instance, in my life, I had a lot of social anxiety. Mm -hmm. It kind of felt like everyone was looking at me all the time, judging everything I did. And no matter what I did, I was wrong. Mm -hmm. So 
you, what did anxiety look like? Like I said, mine started as a baby. I had severe separation anxiety, severe, severe separation anxiety. So much so my poor mom, when she found it out, like when she was pregnant with my brother, who's a very chill human being, (laughs) she wanted like 20 kids and she cried. She's like, I can't do this right now. (laughs) I can't have two of them like this. So mine started with that separation anxiety. I get overwhelmed very easily, even as a small kid. Like if my, I had one friend who would come over and she may have had touches of ADD. I'm not sure. She, she like had to get out every toy. Like her attention span was very short. She would leave and me being the great Southern hostess that I was would be like, no, we don't have, you don't have to help me clean up. I'll clean up. But then when I have too big of a task in front of me, which is something I've had to work on in my business as well. If I have too big of a task in front of me, I get into paralyzing fear. I just get into total overwhelm. Talk about flight or fight, but there's also a freeze option. And I go into freeze mode when I have anxiety spike. I also tend to go into freeze mode when people are screaming at me. But some of the fun things that I've experienced through healthcare, which again, I do believe are just part of my journey and path. I'm not saying that every single person that's in healthcare ever experiences stuff like this by any means. I believe things happen for growth. It's for lessons and growth. It's things you did kind of choose to help you grow along your path. If I'm being screamed at, because I never needed that. Even as a small kid, if you sat down and had a conversation to me of like, don't run in the middle of the street, you might get hit, then you could die. I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. And if it made sense, then I was totally happy going along with it. And I was also just a good kid. I was very, I saw this is a good thing to do. This is who you should be. And I was also very people pleasing. So things like that would spike my anxiety as well. If I felt, I wouldn't say I totally had social anxiety, new situations, leaving the house in new situations definitely spiked anxiety and occasionally still will actually in a way that almost amuses me because I'm really, we're going to go there again. Mine was more not meeting expectations. I didn't like confrontation. I didn't like harsh confrontation. I always tried to guess the next move to prevent some harsh confrontation. And so if I was unable to do that, that would cause me anxiety, trying to be whatever people needed to me to be, to not lash out or something. And I'm, I didn't have an abusive childhood. I don't want anyone to think that. To trying to prevent anyone lashing out at me, I would do anything I could to mold myself to whatever I needed to be to prevent that pain, which also caused a lot of stress. As you can imagine, that's, I mean, that's a lot, especially like I started doing that when I was about three or four. <laughs> so, you know, to take on all that pressure, it just adds to the, the pressure you're putting on yourself. Mostly my anxiety would come from overwhelm, from people pleasing. And then, like I said, when I was young, definitely separation. What was it like getting over it or pushing through it? I pushing guess. through it. One of the things my mom did well when I was little with it, she recognized, I mean, again, we weren't calling it anxiety, but she recognized this tendency that my grandmother had and my dad had, and she saw it in me and she knew that I needed to just do stuff. She's like, she was forced me out of the house to do things. I didn't go to preschool. It wasn't normal in my age bracket for preschool. It was hit or miss. Some people did, some people didn't. You know, most of us started at kindergarten. I didn't start with preschool. My brother did. She put me in ballet and dance. It was tap, jazz, and ballet. I had this class and I loved to dance. She would force me to go to these class. I mean, it was horrific. I would be crying my eyes out, freaked out, hiding under the covers, trying not to go. But I would love it so much. And she knew that I would love being there and I'd love the outcome. And so she started having us do things. And especially as, as younger kids, because my brother and I were both pretty timid, but especially me, she would 
make me do things like not force me, force me in some kind of bad way, but like put me in new situations or make me place the order for our random monthly Friday night pizza. You know, she would have me do things that she knew would be out of my comfort zone from a very young age. So I'd start doing that for myself because my grandma Brown, my maiden name's Brown. My grandma Brown was kind of at a place where she didn't even like to leave the house with her anxiety. My dad even still stressed over a lot of things, you know, I mean, and it's just us. It's, it's the anticipatory anxiety with a lot of things. And, and so she didn't want that. Sorry, it makes me a little emotional. (laughs) She didn't want that for me. I started using that. I started recognizing that I was very capable. I had two different school transitions growing up. So I started working on it very, very young, not really knowing what I was doing. I knew that I could basically live in this bubble of fear or I could have friends <laughs> and like and try to work on myself and be more outgoing. Like again, I was a very quiet, private person. I think a big catalyst for me, well, what I had a very rough middle school experience at this very tiny Catholic school, which made me a bit more I spoke up for myself more there because nobody else was going to do it. And then with my high school experience, I actually went to a high school that merged two middle schools into that high school. So I knew nobody was going to know me. They weren't going to know that I didn't already have a group of friends. So I actually taught myself how to be more confident, more outgoing. I would force myself to have conversations that I wasn't totally comfortable having. Because if you don't, you're going to have to sit by yourself at lunch. (laughs) You need to be more open. You need to be more, more somebody that's, you need to be more receptive and confident in who you are. Because you do get to be a person that gets to have friends, but you have to release this anxiety and allow yourself to do that. It's very interesting to me to look back at the age bracket that I did a lot of these things and did them on my own. I believe you have past soul experiences and things that help prepare you for this lifetime as well. And I do believe that some of this must have come from that (laughs) because there are things that I shouldn't have known to do. But again, I do try to rely on my faith and rely on my intuition. And it is amazing to me what I was able to do on my own. And then when I was older, working through anxiety situations, a lot of it was just going, okay, how can I feel better now? I get to shift and choose into feeling better. How can I shift into choosing and feeling better now? What would make me feel good now? And just like I tell my clients, it's not always going to be one thing. The thing that worked this time is not going to be the thing that works next time. But you get to feel good in the now. And you can always figure out a way to get there. So I played with that a lot. Even when I was younger, when I wasn't totally recognizing what I was doing. Okay, this doesn't feel good. And you've got to go do this presentation in five minutes. How are you going to do this? And it actually ended up becoming like a great personal or personal, great public speaker when I was young. I do videos and things now. I remember in college, most people would have me, I wouldn't have to do any of the work just as long as I presented it because I could get myself into a good place to do that presentation when it used to cause me mass anxiety. It was all just shifting and playing. Does that all make sense? Sometimes I like just start going and I'm like, I have to check in. Does everything I say make sense? (laughs) So how do you help empower women to understand and embrace their soul paths? What does it look like working with you? What does it look like? So again, I kind of work with people where they're at. Some people come to me and they've already been doing work on themselves forever and they just need help more with confidence, with feeling more love for themselves. Other people were really starting. One of my favorite longstanding, she does like occasional sessions with me and she's one of my members. We're constantly working on different perspectives of anxiety with her. You know, it just depends on where you're at and what you need. What happens is, is during our session, if we do like one-on-one sessions, we kind of start chatting and I just try to shift your perspective. 
I sit here and go, okay, I don't think she'll mind me using this as an example. So like a session I had the other night, she was stressed about four weeks from now, her son having to potentially start back in school or making the decision if he's going to be in person in school or not. And I did remind, I'm like, okay, well, one, you right now are being quarantined just because you, you just came back from this trip. You're being quarantined. Your mind's going crazy. You have these five other stressors that you just mentioned. And all your mind is trying to do is to latch onto a new stressor. You came home, you're, you're relaxed. Everything, everything got back okay. You're good right now. And all of a sudden your mind's like, I don't have anything to stress about. So let me latch onto this stressor. And then we're going to worry about it for the next four weeks. And, and it doesn't take much. I cover a lot. I could literally do probably 15 to 20 minute sessions with people and they leave totally relieved. We cover, if I do in my normal hour, hour and 15 minutes, we cover so much. And it's part of why people are able to do one-off sessions here and there with me as well, especially if they're in my membership. But we cover so much. We end up going like, okay, so this is just your mind. Your mind is a computer. Your mind is latching onto this. It doesn't feel safe to get out of fear right now. So how can we allow ourselves to release the fear? How can we allow ourselves to move forward? This is not that big of a deal. You're making it a big deal. It's in four weeks. If you can remember that like four weeks ago, we didn't know what this last four weeks was going to look like. You can try to prepare yourself. It's always the reminder of you can try to prepare, but your best efforts are not always going to measure up. They're just not. And when you can recognize that God's got it, the universe has it, you're allowed to be supported because this is not an easy thing. You have a soul team behind you. You really do have support for this because this is not easy. It's not like we're just lounging on the beach all the time down here, you know? (laughs) So this is not easy. And when you can sit back and relax and allow your soul team to help you, allow for help, which can be very challenging for women, allow yourself to release, allow yourself to recognize the difference between your mind and your soul. And this is really what we get into in sessions. We get into recognizing what's your mind, what's your soul, what feels good, and what do you need to feel better now? And sometimes we go into specific techniques, but a lot of times what I tend to help people do is free their mind. I help them free their mind from whatever is going on now. I help remind them of who they are and what they need. And that all they have all the answers within them at any moment. God's there. Your spiritual team is always there. You have everything within you at any moment. All I'm really doing in these timeframes is just helping release that. I'm helping people get out of their own way to release the answers they need to move forward however they need to move forward, whether that's with their business. Because I do have a couple entrepreneurs that I work with. I'm not doing business coaching with them, but I have helped people make breakthroughs in their business just by doing this, just by helping them shift in perspective, shift and recognize what they need and allow answers to open up within them to release the stressors, release the pain, release whatever, and allow for themselves to open up, to elevate their vibration and feel better. Because when you elevate your vibration, you receive easier, but I, you don't have to be in an elevated vibration to receive. You can receive wherever you're at. But I just help them release these things that are standing in their way and frustrating them or causing them pain and stress. And then they're able to move forward in a much more peaceful existence. And then I have meditations and all that fun stuff too. Like sometimes if they need it, we'll meditate at the beginning of a call (laughs) or they have ones they can use from me. (laughs) Do you have any fun success stories to share? What do you help people? Fun success stories. I have a lot. One of the things I love, so my membership is actually called the ultimate level up membership. And so one of the things that I love seeing is I, I love when I see people 
just grow. And one of my favorite, all of my favorite success stories, I'm trying to think of which ones stand out the most. There's so many that I like love. And one of the things I do love is people are still growing. You're never, you're not going to stop growing until you're dead. And even then you're still growing. You're just growing in a different form. You know, you're here to grow. And so one of the things I love is when I watch people's perspective, there's one girl in particular that when she was certain that she had to be in struggle, we all have different backgrounds and different places of belief. And she just She's an amazing human being with so many amazing talents, but she didn't believe she got to receive anything for her amazing talents. She thought that she basically had to stay in the shit job with shit hours. <laughs> she was good with years ago, but she really can't stand now. And it was not paying adequately to live hardly and all these things. And just the growth I've seen from her and the light that I've watched come back in her. Once you start releasing these lies and you start releasing this pain, when you start releasing the boundaries and the restrictions that you've put on yourself, you're able to shift into better forms of existence. You're able to shift into, oh, well, it is to my benefit for me to do things I enjoy doing with my life. It's to my benefit to have a job that pays adequately or, or to have a career that pays adequately, you know, and then more than adequately and allow me to receive all these other abundant things into my life and allow me to be a human that can help other humans. Because when we're stuck in our struggle, when we're way in our struggle, we can't be a light for anybody else. We can't be that joy for anybody else. We can't light up a room in the way that a room needs to be lit up. Like so many people are living it with the blinders on and so much stress and so much frustration, so caught up in their day-to-day pains. The more joy that can go out into the world, the more the world can heal. The more love, the more joy that can go out there, the more it can heal. And so my favorite are just like this one girl. Like I watch people all the time shift. Another favorite client of mine that I've had for years now, she's done some individual sessions with me. She's also been in my membership. And just watching her shift and change and grow in what she believes she can have in life and shifts that I've witnessed in her business and and just in her ability to give and receive and to understand some of these principles and live them a little deeper because our age brackets are very different. And she was raised in the time of this is what you do. You get a job, you do this, blah, blah, blah. You need to put all these amazing abilities you have to the side and just watching her blossom and watching her recognize that what she gives to the world is so valuable that her work is so valuable and you're not a surgeon or whatever, but that doesn't make you less valuable. Your art gets to be very valuable. It brings joy into other people's lives and you get to value that as well. And you get to give yourself space to do that. And also watching her release, I do end up occasionally talking a bit about grief and just watching her release her grief and over a loss of a child and, you know, and seeing her growth through that as well. It's just amazing. But I have so many things in my mind and I try not to give specifics, I keep things in containers. People come to me. I share my life out with the world because I chose to do that. But I try not to give here all the details of what we went through, what we did, just because then it does kind of sometimes make it obvious of who the person is, especially if you're... I allow people to be open about what they want to be open about in the containers that I have for them to do that. And then those are sacred. Those are not necessarily, I try not to, I, I make it safe. I want it to be safe for you to grow. I don't want you to be like, okay, I'm going to tell you this really in-depth personal story and then you're going <laughs> to, and then see it on social media. You know? so, so I try to keep things a little more general when I'm using guidance of things that I've done with clients. So I'm not trying to not be specific. I just, I try to be courteous of, of what they've shared with me. Of course. Yeah. Well, we are coming to the end of our time together. One thing I like to ask my guests is do a one minute of motivation. You can imagine this as if you have a time machine and you're going back 
to your eight-year-old self and you want to convey everything you need to live a happy, joy-filled life. But unfortunately, you, you only have a minute until you're plopped back into the future. <laughs> or as if condensing your entire life message into a minute. So are you ready? I think I'm ready. I have two thoughts on this. I'm like, I think I'm ready. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> okay. So if I had one minute, honestly, I would say don't take it all so seriously. Life is just a game. This is just a soul journey and you're not meant to get it all right. It's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to not get it all right. Let yourself relax. Let yourself have fun. Focus on the moment you're in. Focus on the moment in your one way more. <laughs> Remind yourself you get to choose how you feel. Then let yourself shift into that. You can always shift into more peace, more calm, more fun, whatever you want to be. You're in full control of that. And you just get to release and let the rest go. Just let go and let God. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. I very much enjoyed listening to your story on how anxieties held you back and your perspective on anxiety and how you're able to grow out of that and push through it and have this innate desire to help other people with their life and living their soul paths, which is awesome to help somebody be who they are and shine out in their authentic, vulnerable self. And also thank you for being vulnerable with yourself on my podcast. So thank you so much for everything you do for this planet. And thank you for being on, on my podcast. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me. This is fun. <laughs> May your day be special. Awesome. Yours too. That's a great way to end that. <laughs> Yours too. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Brett. There you have it, folks. That was my interview with Casey Mullaney. I really enjoyed listening to her story. It's interesting to me as someone who has not grown up Christian, the Baptist and Catholic churches to me seem like the same thing, but it gets, it kind of makes sense from their perspective. They're very different. Living in sort of that dual reality seems like Casey did a great job of forging her own path. And it's always interesting listening to people who have come from different backgrounds forge their path. So I appreciate the way she shared on how she started to listen to her intuition and helping people reach their soul paths there. There's just something magical about feeling like you're living with purpose and what you're doing brings more of your purpose to the world that you live in and being able to listen to the inner guidance that is within all of us and trust ourselves that at the very least, we're going to learn from this thing we want to try and not let our fears hold us back. Because one thing I've learned in my life is the only time I regret something Unless it's, you know, something that causes extreme pain. I'll just make that caveat. But so for the most part, the only time I really regret something is is when I let fear stop me. Even when I know I made the right decision. And I don't mean fear like I shouldn't punch that bear fear. I'm talking about anxiety. I think it, that I let anxiety stop me. And even if I shouldn't be in that situation, I didn't make that choice out of power. I made it out of anxiety. Maybe that's the thing. When they say fear is false evidence appearing real, I believe fear is a good thing sometimes, especially, you know, with bears, I always like to bring up. But anxiety, is anxiety ever a good thing? And I think a lot of times, especially Course of Miracles and all that, they seem to equate fear and anxiety, and they're two completely different things. Fear can be positive. 
Listening to someone who is able to get through their anxieties, I think, is also awesome. So if you want to take your life to the next level, you can find Casey Mullaney. Her media, her membership for women, and her anxiety-releasing meditations and trainings at CaseyMullaney.com. K-A-Y-C-E-E-M-U-L-L-A-A-N-E-Y.com. And listeners to this podcast can use the coupon code JOY to receive your first month of her membership for $11. And enjoy tons of other already recorded videos on releasing fear, loving yourself more, and creating the life that you want. There you have it, folks. That is episode 90 of the Joyous Expansion Podcast. Woo! Almost done with all the interviews I did in June slash July. It's so nice, that feeling of being caught up. But that is amazing. Remember, since you got this far, I love you for who you are and that you're amazing and that you are great. I just listened to some Mr. Rogers today, so uh, I always wanted to have a listener just like you. And if you want to email me for any reason, you can email me at bre2ts, do pr2es at joyousexpansion.com. Check me out at joyousexpansion.com. You can also find me at joyousexpansion on LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. But on Facebook, you have to find me on Increase Your Joy because my SEO game sucks. Thank you so much for listening to this. Like, subscribe, whatever you could do to give this out to people. I would find it amazing and love you even more than I do now. But just know I love you so much because you got this far. I am Brett Dupree, champion of authentic joy, catalyst of transformation, and life coach of the Church of Awesome, reminding you once again to be love, to be joy, to be awesome. And now play that jingle. JoyousExpansion.com JoyousExpansion.com Come and say hello to Brett Dupree He is an inspirational life coach Good for you and good for me He turned my life from grey to blue I'm sure he'll do the same for you Get in touch and you'll see Your life will change dramatically JoyousExpansion.com JoyousExpansion.com Yeah